Hello, friends. This is the Messenger Podcast, where our goal is to develop messengers whose lives tell the story of the gospel. The gospel, the good news of life, is supposed to reach into every part of our everyday. So we want to use this time to explore what that means for you and your world. I've got the amazing Juliana in the studio with me. Hey, guys. How are you, baby? I'm good. Cool. And today we are closing out our Real Relationship Series. Can you believe that? No. We're at the end. feels like we just started, honestly. I know. I know. We've covered a lot of ground. We now. have. I'm going to have to find a way to get you to come back and co-host another series with me. Well, you can just ask. Okay. I'll come. <laughs> really? I don't have to come up with some clever plan. You'll just come if I ask? No, I would enjoy that. Okay. So do come up with a clever plan. All right. I'll figure it out. Plan. All right. Sounds good. And then for those of you who listen to the podcast, again, I want to remind you, take a moment to subscribe, rate the show, write a review. It really, really, really helps us get the message out. Did you hear those three reallys? Like it like that's, I mean, really, it really helps us. I did. So, it compelled me. It did. I don't think you, I've rated or, well, you need to. or done a review. You need to. That's that's my point. That's why I use three really. One more really, and I will. <laughs> really. Okay. It really helps us. There you go. I gave you two more. So thanks for taking the time to do that. And on the last show, Julie, we got a chance to interview Selena and Ryan Frederick from the Fierce Marriage Podcast. And that was a lot of fun. We talked about marriage and yeah. relationships in marriage and navigating the fierceness and chaos and beauty of marriage. But today I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to talk about being real with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the hardest things for us to do. And we have on the line with us, we have the man. I mean, he is the man. I I, like, you want to be adopted by him. You say that all the time. Like you're convinced that you're his favorite person in the world. I I think everyone is. That's, that's a sign. No, I I know I'm not his favorite. I know I'm definitely (laughs) second to at least you, but we have pastor Chip Judd on the line and I couldn't be more excited. He's actually our marriage counselor and he's Mm -hmm. been a huge voice in our life. Pastor Chip, we're so glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Man, I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm excited. I want to read out some of your stats here, Pastor Chip, and your. This bio. is like his baseball card. Yeah. Okay. Married over forty years with right. three married children, six grandchildren, and you have seven now. served seven grandchildren. Congratulations! Seven. Just had had wow. one at Christmas. Oh my goodness! So yeah. fun. Is it a little boy or girl? Another girl. We have. We have uh, six girls and one boy. Wow. Yeah. You are a blessed man. It's awesome. And over 30 years as a pastor, marriage and family counselor. And guys, I want to brag on Pastor Chip because he's kind of the guy behind the men and women who we all listen to and love and glean from. You know, there's always that someone behind the someone. And I feel like Pastor Chip has been that for more people than he, <laughs> he'll even tell us, but just the wisdom. So really lean in today and glean from what he has to offer. We are so honored that you would be on with us, Pastor Chip. Well, it's uh, whatever that, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't deserve the honor, but I'll whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Textbook, textbook. Okay. So we're just going to dive in and we're going to try to ask you really hard questions. Does that work? You just give it your best shot, dude. I will. You know, I'm always trying to stump you and I never uh, can you know, succeed. But... I, I have to slow my brain down to even talk to you. Oh man! Here we go. Here we go. All right. So, just remember, age... my love language is sarcasm. So, oh yeah. If I... you and Julie both, so That's... I love you, man. I know. I know you do. Okay. So, first question. Here we go. In an age of self-love, mm-hmm. what does it mean to love yourself in a healthy, like biblical, 
um, non-narcissistic way. Right, right, right. Uh, it might sound like a weird answer, but I would say the way you love yourself is just agree with God. Agree, mm-hmm. agree with God in his estimation of you. Um, what does that mean? Well, the cross of Calvary forever proclaims our value. You know, if you're at an auction and uh, somebody holds up an object, uh, you know, I, I will pay for that object, whatever it's worth to me, whatever value it has to me. It might be pennies. It might be unlimited. You know, I'll go as high as I have to go to get that thing. So, so you say, okay, what, what did God, what was God willing to put up to get his hands on us? And it was Jesus himself. So for me, self-love is simply accepting God's declaration, God's estimation of, of what I'm worth. And in his estimation, I'm as valuable to him as Jesus himself. Um, so for me, loving myself is just agreeing with God to my value and my, and then in other words, that's a starting point. So then you look at, well, yeah, but I have flaws. Yeah, you do. But it's easier to look at those flaws from love than look at them as if they stand between you and love. Um, and I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes somebody's flaws are what endears you to them. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, so so for me, what does it mean to to love ourselves? It means to just to just walk in the place God created us to be. Um, I mean, I can talk about that all day. I mean, I believe, uh, you know, whatever. I love to trick people by just sort of asking progressive questions. You know, Mm -hmm. do do you want to fulfill God's purpose? Yes. Well, if you want to fulfill his purpose, don't you think you need to answer the question? Why did he create me slash us, all of us? And so for me, I mean, we could take longer, but my quick answer is if I picture the Trinity by itself, whatever existed before what we know exists, um, what compelled it to blast this universe into existence and this planet into existence and this life forms and then apparently the pinnacle of what we're aware of is us. What in the world compelled him to do this? And the only answer that makes sense to me is so that he could love us, not so that we could love him. He's not starving to be loved. He was, in a sense, if you'll allow me, starving to love. Hmm. So my purpose is being loved. So for me, loving myself is just agreeing with God that I'm infinitely valuable. And it doesn't matter if it makes sense to me. Uh, it's just the truth. I love how powerful and, and simple simple but not easy yeah all of that is but pastor chip what are some some steps we can take to move that from head knowledge right. to heart knowledge to walk in that belovedness yeah yeah the scary thing is that um almost anybody christian or not almost anybody you stop on the street and you say 
do you believe God loves you? Almost everybody's going to say yes. Hmm. And um, they just are. But then if you say, okay, can I follow you around for a week and see if you live from the place of feeling that love, experiencing that love, processing life through that love. There's like, that's not, no, that's not the deal. So you say, okay, what in the world, man? We, we, in one sense we know, but in another sense we don't. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's wrestling with on, just understanding that the reason you feel the way you do about yourself is because of all the messages life's given you. And, um, and let's face it, if you, if, you, if you look in the mirror, we are flawed. It's not like, oh, you know, that's just shame talking. No, it isn't. We are genuinely flawed. So it's not like it's easy to imagine a perfect holy God loving us unless you, you, know, you bring Calvary into it. So for me, what I tell people is I try to, you know, like you said a minute ago, and I appreciate you saying it, uh, I like to try to say things as simply and graspable as possible. So I just call it R&R. We need to learn to receive and rest in the Father's love. Receive and rest, receive and rest. Well, how do you do that? Well, I would recommend finding a couple of scriptures that really resonate with you. You know, 1 John 4, you know, 16, 18, 19, all in through there. You know, it says we've come to know and believe. We've come to know, meaning it's a process. We've come to know and believe. The word know there is not, it's not the westernized version. Like you go to class and you learn some facts and you regurgitate them on a test. No, it's not information. The word know there, the best summation of its real meaning is that I've come up with is this, to become acquainted with over time through experience, to become acquainted with over time through experience. So when the when scripture says we've come to know the love of God, it means we've become intimately acquainted over time through experience. And what I mean by that is this. Oh, do you believe God loves you? Yeah, I, I believe he loves me. So in a sense, I know God loves me, but it's an intellectual fact, not an experienced reality. So what do you do? You take a scripture like that and you say, okay, the Bible seems to say God loves me. The, the Bible seems to say that God wants me to experience that love. Romans 5, 17, those who receive the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness. Hmm. Knowing about it's not the same as receiving it. So so for me, it's like, here. if somebody asked me, well, what do I, where, how do I do this? Start your day. Get up 5, 10, 15 minutes earlier than you do. Get off somewhere, hide. Bring your Bible, but leave it closed off to the side. Bring your cup of coffee. You got to have coffee or God won't come. So bring your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then, but sit there. What I'm getting at is empty handed and just say, God, I'm here to do the the first thing you created me for, which is to allow you to love me. I want to learn how to receive your love and just sit there and just focus on that simple thought. God, I believe you love me, 
but I want to know you love me. And what if throughout the day you just kind of said, you know, every once in a while you just think about, you know, God, thank you that you love me. And what you're doing now, the sneaky part of what I'm saying to you is you're, you're doing some things in your brain, not just you, you are putting yourself in a posture for God to do something spiritually impactful, but you're also doing something in your brain. Your brain's designed to go get anything you tell it you want. So if I say to myself throughout the day, you know, thank you, God, that you love me. What my brain's going to start doing is looking for evidence to support that. If I don't do that, then what tends to win is this low frequency murmuring. Well, he sort of loves you. He loves her. He loves him, but he's not too pleased with you. So you yeah, got, that's self-rejection. Yeah. So you got to be intentional. God, thank you that you love me. And what you're doing is you're you're in the morning that that time you're you're literally creating a moment to say, God, I want to learn to see it, feel it, smell it, taste it, touch it. I want to experience your love. And then as you bring it into your day, what you're doing is you're alerting yourself, your brain literally to start noticing that it's it's flowing through the room right now but mm. but will you be aware of it will you will you receive it will you connect to it and um i was talking to somebody recently and uh they'd experienced quite honestly some some difficult stuff and they were mad at god and i said okay so he, and again it's going to sound abrupt but it wasn't so, okay, you're, in other words, you're mad at God because you're attributing this terrible thing to him. Yes. I said, okay, isn't this a picture of your daughter? Yeah. Gosh, I'm telling you, she's one of the cutest little things I've ever seen. Who, who gave her to you? Well, God did. Isn't that your husband next to you? He seems like a pretty great guy. Oh, he's, wow, he's amazing. Um, who, who gave him to you? So I said, here's the deal. If you're going to be mad at God for this thing that happened, are you going to also recognize his hand in the, all this other stuff going on in your life? In other words, do you see his love? Am I making sense? Yeah, definitely. Now, let me say this. You got to, you've got to be intentional and, yeah. and, and active about it. I, I'm going to go after God's love and do, do everything on my end to make sure that the, 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 the portals open. But I do believe God has a part to play in it. Um, and, but I believe he's good for it. I believe he'll, he'll meet you there. Does that make sense? Yeah. In my own personal walk, I've, I've, I feel like I have really grasped and started to understand the importance of that time in the morning, mm -hmm. um, especially the coffee part. <laughs> but come on, it, it's I, like, I made the mistake of interrupting it this morning. You did. I Dude. almost died. <laughs> and and that uh, that actually brings me to my point. I'm in the midst of that place and it's become so sacred and important to me. But then it feels like I walk out and everything I see from myself and from the world starts to contradict 
what I've received in that place with God. And then at times, Pastor Chip, it can feel like the next morning I'm just starting over again. Mm -hmm. And it's so discouraging. Yeah. I think we, I think we visit God's presence until it inhabits us. Can you say that again? Um, I think I think we visit God's presence until it inhabits us. That's awesome. Um, I, I told, listen. What you just described is exactly what my journey was like. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't born knowing all this and experiencing it. I, I I did, you know. But when God started to mess with me about His love and about the, the, that being the, the the core of it all, because I really believe that. That that's it's the core of everything, um, you know exactly what you're saying. You know you you know you you you're like oh wow that was awesome, and 30 minutes later you're like what what was it? What was I feeling? It's gone. So I yeah. think you, I mean you you believe what you believe. We learn by repetition and intensity, repetition and intensity, and the presence of God. If we learn how to allow it to be can be really, really intense. It can be, and I don't mean intense in the sense of loud, that's fine, but I mean intense in the sense of on, on whatever frequency or scale God wants it to be. It might be warmth, it might be uh, uh, a sensation of weight, it might be just a feeling of peace, it might be, who knows? But the, the more you visit it, the more of it you take with you. The more you visit, the more you take with you. The more you visit, the more you take with you. And there's a time when it's like, oh, I, I'm not leaking anymore. Um, I mean, again, forgive me for the way I'm going to say this, because I don't mean it the way it could be taken. I have virtually forgotten how to not feel loved. I, I, wow. I just don't, it's, it's almost like outside of my imaginary capacity to imagine not being loved. Is that from, like you said, just from years of repetition, repetition yeah. and intensity? I mean, here, here's the thing that, that drives the solidness of what we're talking about. You being loved is reality. Mm-hmm. You not feeling loved is not reality. So, how do I convince myself of that? Though? <laughs> well, now, again, I don't want to get too weird with everybody, but interesting choice of words. How do I convince myself? Most people don't know this, but the word faith, the root, the root of the word faith is to be persuaded. Mm. So, what happens is, I got a little teeny bit of faith, so I wake up in the morning, get my coffee and go sit with God. So I got a little bit of faith. Well, what God's job is to persuade you into more. So you, you walk away that day and you're like, wow, that was pretty sweet. I like that. A month later, it, it's deeper. It's like, man, you, know, you get with Addison and you say, Addison, man, I had this such an amazing time with God this morning. Well, you do that over two, a year, two, three What's happening is you're being persuaded to acknowledge the reality of what is real. You know what I'm saying? And it's that journey yeah. like you talked about yeah. initially. Yeah. The bottom line is we live in a world dominated by the five senses. And we live in a world that's philosophically adopted the mentality 
that if you can't measure it, it's not real. And we, we adhere to a belief system that disagrees with that. And I think we're right. So when you say, you know, I'm going to learn to receive and rest in God's love, um, you're stepping into an awesome place that is more real than what can be measured. And the, the more you visit there, the more you become uh, acclimated, if you will, to the environment of God's presence and reality, you just then you bring it with you back into this side, you might say. Does that make sense? It does. And I think one of the challenges that we all face is it's it's almost like God's opinion of us and what God sees in us and speaks over us. It's it's quiet. Mm. It's it's still it's something that we have to intentionally lean into. Right. But everyone else's opinions of us, those are loud. Right. They're in our face each and every day. Right. And and so I think so many of us struggle with this idea that we are loved in this profound way because the world, the quote unquote reality that is the predominant reality when we talk about the five senses. It's just not aligning with that that narrative. Like it's it's communicating something different to us. Mm. And I love I love how you describe this as an intentional journey, a practice into into getting in tune with a greater reality. Mm. That I mean, it is the greater reality. Yep. If if we believe what we say we believe, then then at the end of the day, like we have to align ourselves with the truths that govern the reality behind what we see and, and know in this present time. I want to segue into the effect that other people's opinions have on us, mm-hmm. because I do think that's a major factor in this conversation. How, how do we handle the disparity or the discrepancy between what God speaks over us and the messaging that other people in our world are sending to us each and every day about who we are? I mean, I think we're, I think we're designed by God to be what you might call um, the word I want to use is refer, referential. What I mean is we we derive our our sense of who we are by what's reflected back to us. Does that make sense? Like yes. like we learn our value by being valued. We 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 learn our competence by being competent or finding where we're incompetent. So there's a there's a there's a uh, an essential unavoidable um, uh, otherness to our sense of worth and value, um, and that's part of what's so unhealthy about our culture right now. Uh, you know, I, like I, I love to pick on the phrase "my truth." Well, this is my truth. Well, you know that'll that and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee. I mean, it's it's just not. So the point is, other people's opinions are going to carry weight. The trick is, we determine how much weight. Mm. It would be wrong to say, well, uh, you know, no other person but God's going to ever, their opinion's ever going to matter to me. It's just, that's just not practical. Yeah. But Would you say it's also foolish? Would you say that other people's opinions should have a say in how we view uh, ourselves? Absolutely. No. A very select group, but yes. We should never... Be in a position where no one's opinion carries any weight. Never. I mean, that's 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 the the, the whole issue of iron against iron. So one man sharpens another. Um, I want people to be able to speak into my uh, self awareness. 
and the accuracy thereof. Um, so, so you go back to other people's opinions. Like I love to say stuff like this. Whoever's words define you is your God. Whoever's words define you is your God. I'm pretty. I'm ugly. I'm smart. I'm dumb. Uh, I'm valued. I'm worthless. I'm, you see where I'm going? Yeah. So, so for me, the words themselves obviously have importance, but the source of the words have importance. Um, so whoever's words define you as your God. Another way to say it is whoever's expectations drive you is your God. What does that mean? Who do I need to please before I can feel good about myself? Who do I need to, to, to say you're good, you did good before I feel good about myself? Uh, again, another way to say the same thing. Whose scoreboard am I measuring the game by and my, my performance by? So, so again, the reason I said that thing on the front end about that there is an element of otherness to our value and where we get our self-awareness from is um, God, God's not saying, like, I'll overlook how ugly you are just because I want a relationship with you. God's saying Jesus took on himself, you know, Second uh, Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? That means God's saying, you know, all of you have strengths, weaknesses, beautiful spots, not so beautiful spots, but I love you. And here's the crazy thing. When we start with love, it's easier for you to tell me what's not pretty about me. Like I love uh, John 1, 14, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Grace draws people. Grace gives them what they don't deserve. Truth changes. Grace draws, truth changes. Um, the reason people have a hard time with feedback is their sense of identity is connected to others' perception of them. So yeah. if you say to me, you know, yeah, that, you know, I heard that podcast the other day and it sucked. Um, <laughs> you know, that's going to hurt me to the degree my identity is connected to my performance on that podcast. And by the way, I would just tell them Addison screwed it up. It would have been, <laughs> it would have been better if it had just been Julie and I, but I, you know. so you understand what okay. I'm saying? In other words, I'll, I'll be, I'll be your scapegoat. There anytime. you go. There you go. If my, if my identity and worth, this is a key thought. If my identity and worth is tied to the opinions of others, my performance, my, the grade I get from others, pleasing certain people, then it's going to be fragile to that degree. If my identity and value and worth is tied to God's estimation of me, then you can critique my performance. And I hear it totally differently because it doesn't, it doesn't threaten my identity, worth, and value. So would you say that self-doubt is a byproduct of using the wrong scoreboard? Yeah, but you got to be careful. Self-doubt is also an unavoidable part of the journey towards self-awareness. Mm. You know, uh, you know, 
you know, kids fully grown 25 and he's, you know, five foot two. I, I want to be an NBA star. Uh, but gee, I just don't have confidence when I get on the basketball court. Well, you probably shouldn't, <laughs> you know, in other words, yeah. self doubt. Yes. Yes. To your question. But here's the thing in our culture right now, we, it's like, you know, the whole, we joke about how, you know, everybody gets a trophy. Well, that's just dumb. The reality is we've got to be secure enough in who we are, literally root our identity and value in the love of God for us so that we're able to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, dude, you are not good at that and you're never going to be. But you're still valuable. But you're still insanely, infinitely valuable. Because self-doubt, you see what I'm trying to say? In other words, I don't want to just blankly say, yes, self-doubts, blah, blah, blah. The truth of the matter is, that's how we learn where our boundaries are, where our, you know, where, 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 where our, I call it our grace zone. You know, you tell a child, well, you could be anything you want to be. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. What? <laughs> we, we millennials, and, and, we've been hearing and, that our and, whole lives. And Addison's what proof of that. About? Addison's <laughs> proof of that, right? <laughs> yeah, nobody can be Addison. There you go. Addison. Yeah. So I'm going to ask another another practical question along those lines because you know we're we're people who are getting in the presence of God and discovering who we are as mm -hmm. His beloved sons and daughters, and then we're compelled to do things, to mm -hmm. do great things, to be conduits of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. How do we go about that though, without that? need for the proof uh, success yeah. and the proof and applause and the trophy. How do we approach great things that won't end up being more detrimental to us because of the effect of our perceived failure or actual failure or whatever that is? Well, if you pursue great things, you're already in trouble. Um, you need to pursue the authenticity of who you are and be okay with wherever that lands you. Because the term great is a, is a comparative term, meaning there's, you know, one inch things, two inch things, three inch things, five inch things. Great is 10. Well, guess what? Everybody can't do great things by certain definitions. What I'm getting at is this. If we, if we learn to receive and rest in the Father's love, we learn to get our identity and value from the, the essential message of all existence, that I was created to be loved by God, and we are equally loved by God, and we've all been given different gifts and abilities that are going to determine what greatness is for each of us. My problem with the whole pursuing greatness is you know what, if you were, if you grew up in a grossly dysfunctional home and you just learned to get halfway healthy, you've achieved greatness. Hmm. Yeah. If you, if you grew up in a home where you had all the privileges and money and whatever, and you go out and write books that sell millions and you change lives, you know what, you've achieved greatness. Greatness to me is being, doing, and having what God meant for you to be, do, and have. And, wow. and we need to allow God to define that for each individual person, 
not our culture. That's, a, that's yeah, I mean, changing. I was. I mean, let me let me give you let me give you a scriptural thought. <laughs> let me give you a scriptural thought. The the you know the the banquet. Don't don't take the high seat, lest the host yeah. come and say, "Hey, that somebody else is sitting here." Well, apply that to what we're talking about. Yeah. Don't shoot for what our culture calls greatness. Shoot for, like you know what, God, I want to, I want, I want to be a great husband. I want I want a wife that wakes up every day and is just captivated by the reality that she has a God and a gift called a husband that is crazy about her and would literally die for her. I want to be a great I want to be a great father, friend, whatever. Let let greatness in the in the, the way our culture defines it, even within the church, let greatness let it handle itself. The way up is down. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you wake up and you're like, wow. And, I, and this is why when you, you introduced me and you used uh, the word honor, I, I sit here in my life right now and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous what I get to do and the things people say about me and the value. I'm so honored and blown away. Um, I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve any of it. But I'm sure having... Oh having fun on the ride. Well, Pastor Chip, we love you. And we're very thankful for you. And we could we could talk with you all day. I mean, we've probably gone a lot longer <laughs> than we normally go on these episodes. But man, we appreciate you. Thank you for speaking truth. Thank you for speaking life. And um, and for yeah. your life. Yeah. You know, just... you've made choices along the way that are so inspirational that it's possible. Yeah. Well, and and I want I, and I think I think some of our audience knows this, but you actually came on to our discipleship platform where we we have a bunch of different courses for everyday discipleship, and you did one on healthy relationships, mm-hmm. and we have had so many testimonies, so many people have been impacted by that course, and for those of you who are listening to the podcast, if you have not checked out All Access yet. Get online, go to messengerpodcast.com forward slash all access. That's messengerpodcast.com forward slash all access. And you can actually get one month free. You get your first month free and you can go through the entire healthy relationships course. Several like, times. Several times. You need to go through it most likely. I mean, we. Yeah. Are you talking to Julie? You, you, no. you just I tell her she needs to go through it? it? You need to go through it. <laughs> no. uh, but Pastor Chip, before we go, do you have any other thoughts, anything you want to leave our listeners with? Or ways for them to connect with you with this. This well, I've got a. Uh, I do a. I do a little. I call it the eight minute mind shift. I do every Wednesday morning at eight oh eight. Eight's the number of new beginnings. So that's where all that came from. And it's usually more like ten to twelve minutes, to be honest with you. But um, I do that. But then it also goes into a podcast and a YouTube channel. So if you just search my name, Chip Judd, or Eight Minute Mind Shift you'll find all that and messages online and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is you just got to soak in this stuff. You didn't get the way you are in a day and you're not going to change it in a day. Uh, And I love helping people. I I love helping people feel good about themselves right where they are, but don't stay there. Yeah. I mean, that really is the message of the good news. Oh gosh. That God loves us where we are right now but he wasn't content to leave us where we are. He wants yeah. to draw us into the fullness of what it is to be sons and daughters of what it is to be family members of what it is to mm-hmm. be loved and to have purpose and meaning in a place. It's just, he's so good. Oh, well, thank you, Pastor Chip. 
always love talking to you. Well, let's and do it again, man. There, yeah. And for everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning in today. As we let you go, we want you to remember that you are a messenger to the people in your world. Your life is a message. So lean into God's grace, lean into messages like this and watch your world change. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.